course, my, my name is Jean Hoffman. I'm the Facilities and Sustainability Manager for the City of Madison. Um, so right now, the project for the Madison Municipal Building is finishing up the design development phase of design. You can see this right here on the screen. Uh, so on Friday, uh, the city will be given all of the documentation for this design phase. And as you, can see, as you will see from the slideshow that we're going to be showing, uh, we have a lot of more um, specificity in the floor layout, uh, even to the point of individual suites and how those layouts will happen. We have a lot more information on the interior finishes. Um, we've done a lot of investigative work in the building to determine what some of the historical finishes are, such as the room that we're in right now, and we'll be talking about that. Um, there will still be more changes to the design as we move into the next phase of design, which is construction documents. And we are on schedule to then look to bid the project out at the end of 2017, start construction at the beginning um, of, of 2017, and then um, construction will last through 2017 and 2018. I also wanted to point out, as you can look on the uh, project schedule, is that we have secured two spots for temporary uh, uh, offices for all of the uh, staff that are in this building. And uh, our staff is currently working with the department and division heads and the agencies to uh, make those temporary plans happen as well. I also wanted to point out that this is really the construction um, schedule. And as you can see, we have FF&E happening in 2018. FF&E is really purchasing the furniture and the fixtures and the equipment. We have done some work with the agencies right now to really educate them about um, modern furniture and how it can really lend to productivity and uh, a really nice work environment. We're going to continue those discussions and then we really aren't going to be purchasing the furniture until we get close to moving back in. So I just wanted to make that clear. And with that, I will hand it over to Tracy Lisneski to run through the slides. Thank you. Thank you, Jean. Everybody hear me okay? Yes. All right. Um, well, we're going to talk through the uh, latest and greatest uh, uh, iteration of the MMB project. As Jean said, we just com are completing design development, um, and so we do have a lot more information than the last time we met. Um, I'd like to keep this fairly informal. I will go through some slides, but if you have questions as we go, there's plenty of time to ask uh, along the way. Um, just a reminder of where we are, of course, in this building, um, uh, bounded by Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, Wilson and Doty Streets, and Pinckney from the um, back. I think I can't point to, to here, so I'll just do my Vanna impression. Um, just a reminder that uh, while we are awaiting a development to happen on the north side of our Block 88, our project um, will assume for now no development. So what's in the do design development um, documents is assuming the existing parking stays. We will add a little bit of grass, as you can see, just to the north of the building. And we've assumed a setback of 25 feet um, between the Madison Municipal Building and the new uh, lot line. Um, and, and that's bounded by that red dashed mark that you're seeing there on the middle of the slide. We do have a modest addition off the north side of the building, um, which is primarily there to help uh, mitigate the grade change between east and west on the site, as well as to provide uh, space for um, enclosed bike storage for um, city staff, for trash enclosure to keep the trash off of the streets. Um, otherwise, there's not much site to work with, and so we need to um, uh, we would need to have. The, the trash sitting on the road um, on Wilson. So instead of having that, we have a trash enclosed trash enclosure. Um, and then also on the upper level of that modest addition, which is in darker orange on the center of that uh, image there, uh, we will have a small staff break area for all staff, all city staff from both buildings to uh, use. A little. Uh, 
zoomed in uh, plan of the roof of MMB that shows a little bit of the site as well. As I said, we are, um, we've got a lot line of about 25 feet off of the north side of the building, um, and the remainder of the site is as currently exists. We will have green roof on both the upper and lower roofs. As you recall, the building is built in a kind of a U-shape that has a taller roof, and then there's a lower roof just outside of here, in fact, um, and that will have a green roof as well. The other items that you're seeing on this slide that are in white and look like little boxes are mechanical equipment. Um, and then we also will have a photovoltaic array to collect sunlight and, and generate energy. You can see here as well the new addition just to the north of the building on the slide here. The primary facade will get um, a little bit of attention and the, the entire building will uh, in fact be cleaned, uh, repaired, um, windows will be addressed. Window conditioning or air conditioning units will be removed because we do have a full overhaul of the mechanical system. Um, the roof, of course, will be repaired. Uh, and we have uh, really, in the end, we'll have a, a much polished up gem of the MMB building suitable for a building of its stature and importance in a city. Um, so this is the existing state. And here's a rendering that approximates what it will look like when it's done. You see we'll be adding some lighting to help um, enhance the beauty of the building at night um, and also to provide safety for those who are walking in and around the building, um, especially on the Doty and Wilson entry sides of the building. Um, currently are very dark and not very well lit. Those will receive some attention with lighting. Um, and both of those entries will be available to the public when the building reopens. We did, um, on a recent trip here, we did some uh, facade lighting um, uh, mock-ups to test how we should best light the building. We don't want to, you know, light the sky, obviously. Um, we want to make sure that we're being very responsible, but also highlighting and enhancing the existing building's um, decoration and, and really the stature of that building. Uh, these are two precedents that approximate what the um, lighting will feel and look like once the, the work is complete. And then um, this is actually a, an image from on-site a couple of months ago in the evening when we did a mock-up to test various ways of lighting the building. We'll be using existing supports in their existing locations to achieve this, so you will not see a bunch of new lighting. There won't be um, new fixtures that are um, troublesome to mow around or to maintain. We'll be reusing what's already in place. As I mentioned, the north side will receive a modest addition, um, and you can see here that we are taking care to contrast with the existing structure. This is a historic landmark uh, building that's listed at the national, state, and local levels, which means that we need to be very careful with whatever we do um, to this building, especially on the exterior. And so our addition will be very uh, modest, tasteful, elegant, and simple and it will contrast in terms of material and, um, and in terms of the, the scale of the material, how, how that's applied. Um, we're proposing that we use a zinc panel material, and that's what's represented in this slide here. So here's a view from uh, Wilson Street, and then again from Doty Street. You can see it's a, a very modest addition, but um, still does have some, some glass for daylight into that staff break area. The plans, as Jean said, have really taken shape. Um, we have located every desk, and uh, there's space for some future, some growth for, for the future for the departments that's accounted for in here as well. Um, and if you recall from the last time we presented the project, we do have um, a customer service zone on especially ground and first floor. And just as a reminder, ground floor is what you refer to now as the basement. Um, historically, it was referred to the, as the ground for, floor, and we prefer that as a term, especially for the staff that will be uh, having their offices down there. Uh, and so uh, ground floor will have a, a modest customer service zone that's outlined in yellow. It looks a little peach on the screen, I guess. Um, and that will be connected with a new stair to the main level. So as you come in off of Martin Luther King Boulevard, directly in front of you, you will see a new stair that will take you down to the building inspection and planning departments so that the two floors that get the most outside visitors will have a very apparent um, customer interface. 
So uh, the ground level houses some mechanical space and storage, but it's primarily staff space for building inspection and planning departments. Um, and then again, uh, in the outline that you see on the sketchy kind of outline is where the customer service zone is. The two stars indicate where somebody from the public would come to that floor, how they would access that floor. Um, on this floor, we have meeting rooms as well, and those are now highlighted in the box that you can see here. Um, we have three meeting rooms that are accessible from the public uh, customer service zone. We have an additional focus room that's accessible from the staff space. And as a reminder, we are... Um, we're limiting where public can wander in the building now for security reasons and for just clarity about how to use the building. Currently, somebody from the public can wander pretty much anywhere that they want um, and can get into staff spaces fairly easily. And that's not a, a great um, situation, I think, for a lot of reasons, for clarity of use of the building, but also just for the security of staff. And so one of the major um, ideas of this renovation is to clarify that, both for the customer perspective and how to use the building and where it's um, permissible to, to go and where to get help when they need help, um, and also from the staff perspective to just provide a little uh, more privacy and security in their staff spaces. So when, when we talk about the customer service zone or the public access meeting rooms, what I'm referring to is those spaces that are directly accessed off of that um, public open uh, area. There will be occasions, of course, where staff want to invite people back to their offices for meetings or for um, conference, and that, of course, is on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, so we also have um, the counts for each of the staff workstations. On the ground floor, we have 81 total workstations between the two departments and six service points, which are, I'll just step away for a second. Um, for the planning and the BI um, customer interface. The first floor plan has three public access points. Wilson and Doty Streets uh, will have uh, public entries, and we'll also have the main entry off of MLK Boulevard. And as you can see, when you come into this floor, you are faced with that um, new stair that will take you down to the uh, lower level, the ground level. Um, also along this customer service zone are meeting spaces, both large and small meeting spaces, and the Madison Credit Union. So this uh, historic corridor uh, was once a very vibrant, very public, very um, heavily used space in the building, and it will become that once again. And we will be refurbishing that main hall to, to feel like a, a public space like it once did. Um, so the, the walls that are in there now that are making up the traffic um, department primarily along the south side of the building will be removed and cleared. And you can see we'll have this large public hall um, along the south side of the building. This floor uh, houses traffic engineering and parking utility, the Madison Credit Union, as I mentioned, um, the Office of the Director for the Planning and Community and Economic Development Division, and housing. And then the CDA group has a small presence in the housing suite as well. Um, so a lot of the people who are on this floor have a heavy amount of outside traffic and visits. That's why they landed on this floor. Again, one of our aims here with the project was to uh, reinforce clarity for the customers that come into the building and make sure that those who need access to city staff um, are able to get that really easily and not um, get lost wandering through the building. On the first floor, we have a total meeting room square footage of 2,275. Um, outlined in these spaces, as you see, there's, uh, let's see, five, seven, nine um, different types and styles of meeting spaces. We'll talk in a moment in more particulars about the meeting spaces, but right now I'll just say that um, we've taken a lot of time to right-size the meeting rooms, make sure that there's enough quantity, but also enough variety in sizes and scales and AV appointment to make sure that um, all the meetings that take place, uh, both public meetings and, and meetings such as this and, um, and internal staff meetings, have the facilities that they need to best support that work. There are 73 staff and four service points um, on this floor. 
The second floor, um, the floor that we're on currently that houses this beautiful room 260, um, will be the home of human resources as well as a large um, selection of meeting spaces. There's also a little bit of square footage left over for some future growth um, or yet, as yet un unidentified uh, use or department that may need to have a home in the building. Um, as I mentioned, each department already has a little bit of growth built in, so I think we've, we've done a good job of making sure that there's uh, ample expansion for the city as we move forward. Um, room 260 is flanked by a table and chair storage room. Um, it, this room will be uh, set up so that it can be very flexible. I've got a bunch of um, examples of how that could work in um, slides that are coming up here. But the, the tables and chairs that you see in here now will be repurposed elsewhere, and we will have much easier to move furnishings that allow for a variety of, of uh, meeting types. All of that furniture needs a place to be stored when it's not in use, and so that's what that very large room to the west of room 260 is. Just to the east of 260 is also a catering kitchen, so that if you have events and want to be able to provide um, sustenance, refreshments, you have a place to be able to prep for that. Um, in addition, you'll see some meeting rooms along the south side that can be used both for internal meetings and trainings, but also could be used for spillover for very large meetings that you would have in 260. There may be a topic that draws a lot of attention in the community. There's some spill space across the hall. There may be people who are awaiting their turn to testify in a, in a hearing or, or some other kind of meeting, and they have a place to wait and to maybe get some work done while they wait. So I think it will be a really nice amenity um, that will help augment 260, but also be able to work independently of it. So meeting room square footage on this floor is 4,413, and there's a total of staff stations of 20 with a little bit of future expansion, as I mentioned. The third floor will house uh, EED and, or EDD and CDD uh, divisions, and it will have a small public meeting space as well. Um, as you can see in the southwest corner of the building there that's outlined. Um, and this will be a one large kind of uh, staff suite. This is the one floor we were able to um, take a little bit more intervention. Uh, second floor is very highly protected because of this room and the corridor right outside of it. Um, third floor is a little less protected in terms of the historic requirements, and therefore we were able to open that whole floor up to really be one large suite of office spaces to offer the city as much flexibility as possible in the future. So those two departments will share that floor, and the public will only enter this floor through a contained vestibule on the west side of the floor. In this case, the east stair will not allow public access um, to come in without a, a staff key card. You won't be able to use that stair. The third floor has a, a meeting room square footage of 889 and a total of staff stations of 61 plus one shared service point, and that's the reception station for this floor. The existing meeting rooms in MMB are a topic of conversation in almost every meeting that we have about this building, and so I thought it might be useful for you all to hear how the existing versus the new compare. Um, and I think a lot of you who work in the city know a lot of the rooms here by name or number, and so we've included those as well in our chart. Um, we have a various uh, we have various kinds of meeting spaces. Uh, planned. We have director's offices, which will now function as, as small meeting spaces as well. So directors of departments will be able to have a small number of people at a small table in their room, and that will serve as a conference space not only for them when they're there, but also potentially when they're not there. Other staff in their department could use that as a conference space. Um, we will have focus rooms, which are, um, because we're moving to all open office workstations for everybody but directors, essentially, um, there is a need on t at times for staff to have some privacy, to do some heads down work, or to make a phone call that they really want some critical privacy. So we have rooms that we're calling focus rooms, and those are um, sprinkled throughout. Currently, there's only two that exist in, in MMB, and uh, those are in the BI and, and planning department location. Um, small meeting rooms are defined as anything up to 200 square feet. Medium is from 200 to 400 square feet. 
large are over 400 square feet. Training rooms are those that have computers that are on the desks, so they're used primarily for training. And then we have, of course, this room, room 260. So you can see the chart that kind of outlines how many of each room exists currently. The LL110 room is one that I know a lot of you are familiar with. A lot of different kinds of meetings happen in there, including UDC and other um, kinds of meetings that we come to as, as design professionals. Um, that will be replaced on the main level um, with, a, with a room on the main level, which I'll show you in just a moment. Um, another room that we hear about a lot, I think, is room 313. Is that right? Is it 303? 313. And, three, and room 300. And those are also, you'll see, replaced one for one in different locations in the building. Um, there are a total of 15 different rooms currently in MMB of, of certain scale, but you can see most of them are medium and large. And a lot of the uh, meetings that take place are of, you know, two and four and ten and twelve people, but happening in a room like this. And so they're not really right-sized, and that was one of the things that we wanted to make sure that we did was to right-size um, the needs and match that with, with what kinds of meetings are typically taking place. So there's a total existing square footage of 6,869. The planned meeting rooms, uh, we will have about a 38% increase in square footage, but nearly double the amount of rooms quantity of rooms. Um, so again, we, we were really trying to make sure that we were um, not just replacing one for one, but addressing the dearth of, of meeting rooms and making sure that they really function a lot better than the meeting rooms do today. Um, so we will have director's offices, as I mentioned, those count as conference rooms. We have um, another focus room, but we spread them out, ground and third floor. We've got a number of small conference rooms. Um, seven medium, five large rooms. There are, there's one at least on each floor, as you can see. We still have one training room, and then of course room 260. These next series of plans shows where those meeting rooms are located, with a little key at the bottom that reminds you what scale each of these rooms are. I believe that you have this information in a packet, so I won't dwell on it, um, but it'll just at a glance let you see how they're kind of apportioned across the floors here. Um, the large room that I mentioned that is replacing LL110 when the annex comes off of MMB is, is here in purple on the screen. And the room 300 would be replaced also by that room, as well as this one in purple on the south side of the building. And then you can see on third floor, we have a few that are sprinkled across the entire floor plate. I mentioned that we've done a few different uh, layout options for room 260, just to show how we imagine this to be much more flexible in use. The lighting will be addressed so that it's an even flow across the um, entire room, which will allow this flexibility to take place. The grid that you see in here currently uh, on the west side of the room will be no longer. That equipment is becoming remote. Um, there will be remote cameras in the room. And everything that you see in here in terms of equipment is going to be much more um, designed in and, and seamless so that this room can be re recalled to its former beauty. Um, our intent for this room is to make it more functional, but also um, bring it back to its former glory. So here I'll just tick through some examples of options. You can see we've got, in this case, 63 seats in a table and chair audience kind of format, much like we've got going on today. Um, 72 seats in this version. We have 90 seats in, in a more of a, a hearing or a, or a um, committee meeting with audience members. Um, we've got an option where we could have tables off to the side where people could be doing work while they're waiting their turn to testify, for example. Um, you know, like I said, just a broad variety of different kinds of meeting layouts, um, including banquets. And this layout would show about 102 people fitting in those banquet tables, just to give you a sense of scale for the space. Um, a small seminar with tables. And then just as a reminder of what the room used to look like before this renovation took place and the, and the dropped ceiling was put in, um, 
there was more wood paneling present, both in the ceiling and around the walls. Um, you'd see more of the battens, the wood battens, than you do today. And it had a wood floor. And we've been working with an acoustician to uh, find out whether we could bring that wood floor back, and it turns out we can. So we will be able to get pretty close to this existing image, actually. Um, we've done further investigating about the lighting, and what's shown here is something that we could, in fact, replicate. However, it was incredibly costly to do so, and um, it doesn't provide enough light for evening meetings, which are mostly what you hold in this room. So we've looked at um, a different lighting option for this. We've been working with um, folks who care very much about the, like we do, about the history of this room and making sure that what we've selected fits in and is in keeping with that history. And so you'll see here the revised image of, of room 260, bringing it back to its um, former state with the wood floor. You can see the wood battens in the ceiling with acoustic material in between. New pendant light fixtures that um, complement and don't detract from the historic nature of the room, but that provide plenty of lighting uh, as an even light throughout the entire space. Um, we will be uh, addressing acoustics in this room, so it will be easier for meetings such as this, and audiovisual will be uh, much better quality than, than it currently is, or much easier, I should say, than it currently is to provide. Um, as, as I mentioned, we will have uh, cameras, remote cameras as well, for City Channel. And it may be difficult, at least from my angle on the screen, it's difficult to see, but one of the things that we discovered about this building, and actually Jean brought the um, report here that she thought maybe you would like to pass around, actually, because it's kind of interesting to see. We've done some investigative work, and you can see up on the wall on the north side of the room where there's a little bit of paint that's taken away from the wall. There's been a person who came in to do some, some work to uh, test and find out what were the paint colors originally in this building. And one of the things that we've learned since we last saw you is that the grill work and exterior window trim and door trim was all painted a green color that you'll see in here. This might not be the right green. There's actually three greens, so I'm just going to one of them. But it's a pretty vibrant green color, actually. I'm going to hand this to Alder Clear um, if you'd like to take a look at it. It's an interesting report. Um, We've done a few different kinds of investigations like that to make sure that we're bringing the building really back to what it was and not just making assumptions based on old photographs that are mostly black and white uh, and don't tell us much. So you'll see in our rendering, I, I think, that you can tell from your angle that these, these grills in the north windows are actually rendered in green now to reflect that we'll be bringing that back um, to, to what it was. That floor actually under these purple tiles? It is. It'll be refinished, and yeah, um, the color here is an approximation based on a room across the hall. Um, looking at that color of the floor and, and assuming that it's probably similar once it's once it's done. But there's a lot of um, there's a lot of work that will happen during construction, actually, when some of the demolition begins, and we can really see what's, for example, above this. Uh, ceiling that's hung. We can see parts of it, but we can't really see the whole. So there'll be a lot of decisions that will come along the way, even into construction. So this leads me to um, the interior concept of the, the building. We've talked a little bit about the exterior. You see what's going on the roof. You understand how the, the plans and the, where the city staff are all going to be sitting. Um, now we're going to talk a little bit about the, the insertion of new into the existing building. And when we think about something like that, we want to set up some ground rules, especially in a building that's as important as this one, and that has um, you know, some very strict guidelines about what we can do to it as a historic structure. And so when we're thinking about whatever comes in as a design element that's new, what we're thinking about is, again, the delineation, clear delineation of public versus private zones that I mentioned before. We want this building to be intuitive to use for city staff and for visitors. Um, and so intuition is, is one of those um, guiding principles for us. We want it to be clear when you walk through the building and have visual cues that help guide you um, to the places that you're trying to go. We want to make sure that there's some continuity between what is new and what is is old, 
and how it's all organized. We don't want it to feel jarringly different, but we also don't want to try to mimic what was here because you really can't anyway, and it would be a disservice to the existing building to try to do so. Um, But we do want to make sure that the spaces are cohesive and flow together well, and that will enhance that intuition that I was referring to before. And we also want the new to contrast with the old um, to help set off the the existing to make sure that that's really the show and the shine. Um, Whatever we bring in that's new will be secondary to it, which is not to say that it will be drab or boring, as you'll see in a moment here, but it will be markedly different. Um, It will signal that something new is happening and new life is being breathed into the building, um, but it will um, it will not try to compete with what's already here. And there's a lot that's already here. Um, this is the the main hall. Um, you've seen this photo a number of times. But I never get tired of looking at it because there's just so much to take from it. Um, the floor we think is mostly intact. We will be able to bring that back. We are planning um, that that in, including the uh, patterning will be able to be um, restored and brought back. Um, the ribs and the ceiling is also part of that visual texture that remains. We are replicating these lights, and, and we will have lights like those in the new hall. Um, and you'll see there's a number of, of other visual cues that we can take from what was there before, and tr- um, including datum lines, where things stopped and started, um, motifs that are in the grill work and such. And you'll start to see that showing up here in the next few images. Um, now looking back the other way uh, toward Wilson Street or uh, Doty Street, um, you can see how that corridor used to look and feel, and the scale of that will be brought back to to what it was. A lot of visual texture, as I mentioned. Um, this is the stairwell on the Wilson Street side. Uh, we've got a wainscot that exists just outside here and in other areas in the building. Um, that tile work on the main level. Um, the door frames themselves and the doors. There's a lot here to work with that already um, adds to the character of this building. Um, Some of the colors of the existing building, that report uh, is a better uh, version of the green than what's up here. From my angle, it looks gray. Does it look gray to you? You're you're looking straight on, so I'm... um, Upper left, is there green? Okay. It's it's odd how uh, different the color is here for me. Um, but tile work that's on the floor and some of the uh, stone base, all of that is primarily intact and will be still here. And so I want, wanted you all to see some of these existing textures and things that are in some cases covered up. As you can see, the wood floor is covered up. We peeled back the carpet that's just across the hall here. And some of those spaces will be um, you know, restored to what they used to be. Um, A lot of motifs, and as we got to know the building more and more, we found more of them that we hadn't seen before, like the grill work above the entry door. Or, um, you know, these are very prevalent, of course, the little star shape that shows up in the windows here as well. Um, There's a lot of different kinds of textures and patterns that we're we're looking at. And then all of those uh, datum lines that I was mentioning before, the ceiling, where the window head is, where the wainscot lives, what the baseboard is, and we're, we're drawing um, inspiration from all of that as we work with our new interior uh, elements. And so, as I mentioned before, we have this um, aim to uh, make it very clear what's private and what's public and where, the, um, that, where that uh, boundary is and where that um, kind of transition zone is. What's represented on the slide here is the white line that's kind of tracing along uh, represents kind of the boundary of primary public. The dark line that's tracing around is a what I've come to call the spine. And it's a way of stopping the eye and giving something to look through on that first public zone to add some depth and interest to a space that is otherwise could be very flat. So we don't want that front white line to just be a a solid wall that stops the view from going deeper into the space and makes that uh, hall, that historic hall, feel too narrow or constricted. We want there to be a little bit more of a connection between um, what is where the public can go and the, the, the boundary, the kind of zone in between that's a transition space, if you will. It'll become clearer in a moment. Um, we, we also want some visual clarity um, through transparency, 
We want to allow people to be able to see the business of the city, but we also want some privacy. We don't want necessarily everything to be always seen or every person to always be seen. So we're, we're using um, transparency, translucency, and opacity in various degrees to allow or to um, keep that sight lines from, from going through. And so we're using some of those historic motifs that you saw before and the datum lines that you saw in that one slide and bringing those together in various ways to inform how those new walls might look. So you'll see some images shortly here. Um, and what we've come up with is a, a spine banding that acts as a ribbon that makes its way through um, these public spaces. It riffs off of the green that we've learned as a part of this building and has a various, various colors to that green. Some of them are more blue, some of them are just a little lighter of the green um, to give it some more dimension and depth. And that will act as that backdrop that I was mentioning before, a place for the eye to go through but then stop and give some form to that um, front hall space. And so the first floor customer zone now would look like this where you have the vestibule off to the right, where you've just come in from Martin Luther King Boulevard. You see our replica lights uh, marching along the colonnade there. And then to the left, you see that first uh, barrier, if you will, of glass, which has various um, uh, levels of transparency on it, depending on what's behind it. So in some cases, it's more clear because it is a very public space behind. In some cases, it's more opaque because it's a less public space behind it. Um, but always beyond in the distance, you can see through that glass something else, and that something else is the spine that I was mentioning before. And that helps to bind the whole space together. Um, we're kind of we've come down the hallway a little bit and we're standing in the in the plan if you remember where that new stair is that goes down to building inspection and planning so the little opening in the center of this image is a stair that goes down um, to the right is that large meeting room that will replace LL 110 if that helps orient you and to the left of that opening is where the traffic and, and uh, parking uh, customer service counter will be now you've just come down the stair, and to the right is the zoning desk, right in front of, uh, or right behind those gentlemen that are very happy to be here at MMB, um, is the stair that takes you back upstairs. And then to the left of the slide, you see there's some meeting rooms behind that glass. You can see how that banding, that ribbon, kind of continues its way on this level as well. It's present in little bits on each floor. And um, we've got some seating for people to enjoy while they're waiting for their turn at the desk. And then we're, we've now the, the uh, zoning desk is straight ahead. The stair is at the back of the image and to the left. And we've basically just walked in on the Doty Street side, come down the stairs, and, and this is the building inspection and uh, planning counters here. Um, Jean went over the... the big picture of the schedule at the beginning, and I thought I would just touch on what those immediate next steps are so you have a good sense of what's coming. Um, Friday, we issue our DD pricing set. Pricing will be um, returned back to the city in three weeks, I believe. Um, just before the uh, end of second quarter, we will begin um, the CD phase, and that will run through um, middle December or so. We have then bidding and the bid award that will take us into the first part of 2017, in beginning of January. And abatement and construction then takes place through much of, of well, all of 2017 and much of 2018. The red um, underneath shows the furniture selection process that, that Jean also mentioned. Um, you can see that we've been coordinating the furniture. I hope you saw in the plans the detail that we've already incorporated there. We have um, met with the departments many times to make sure that the desks are located where they need to be, the quantities are right, the sizes are right. Um, but we do have fine-tuning to do. We will be selecting the actual product, um, and that will happen a little bit later um, in the end of 2017. So that's the line that says selections. And that's where we'll be bringing in samples for people to sit in, and we'll be you know, fine-tuning everybody's desk down to the shelves and the drawers and, and all of the detail. Um, and we're looking then to the end of 2018 for owner move-in. 
And that was all I had for the update. I hope it was enough to give you a good sense of where we are so far. If there's questions, I think we have a little bit of time before you're wanting to take a break before your actual meeting starts. Alder Revere. Thank you, Tracy, and welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for doing this for us. This actually is a great representation. I don't think this is going to be my first question, but it appears that you made the decision to remove the judicial bench. Oh, no, okay. actually. It's, yeah, it is, I see it in here. It's hard to see. I'll it was point, in the I'll floor point. plans. Okay, good. It's, it's hard to see because of the paneling on paneling, but it, it is there. Yeah. If you want to go back, a lot of my colleagues obviously couldn't be here right at the outset. Um, yeah. When we started, do you want to go back, back to, the to beginning? a few of the floor plans sure. and up for room 260 just so that we can see how the layout will work? Oh, of the various versions of 260? Right. Just so, so that we can see that the judicial bench is staying exactly where it is now. You can see the bench on the right-hand side of the slide, and we do have a variety of different types of layouts here, um, from a small seminar setting to banquets. Um, and for those of you who might have missed it, just on the other side of this wall, we will have a catering kitchen to help support that sort of function, as well as um, other kinds of receptions that may want to take place in this room. I think it will be in demand once it's refurbished again. It will be a beautiful asset for the city. Um, we've got a layout here. This is actually what's in the rendering of, of room 260 that just shows, like, you might have stations set up around the perimeter for people to wander from place to place and look at boards and make comment. Um, various kinds of lecture layouts or hearings, um, you know, different varieties of these kinds of meetings. This would be very similar to today's setup with the addition of a couple of tables for, for people to be able to do work while they wait for their turn, perhaps. Um, I think this is almost exactly how today is set up. Uh, like how we're using the portable monitors, that will be how the audio or the visual will take place in the new building or the new uh, room when it's refurbished. And the reason for that is, of course, the historic nature of this room. We can't be putting panels on the wall and such. And so to keep the ultimate in flexibility and also respect the history of this room, we will continue to use the mo movable panels. And so in some of these, you'll see that we've got panels, like on this one on the north and south side of that uh, image, indicating where panels might go. Um, whoops, I think that was it. Great, thank you. The other sure. area I wanted to ask you more about is yeah. the addition. Is the addition to the, addition. the building, yep. the yep. small addition. Yeah. That might be new information for, again, most of us. Okay. So could you just we'll go, go back, back again? And, and yeah. You know, many of us couldn't be here right at the beginning of the presentation. Could you go back and explain the addition, the need for the addition, what would be, the, what the addition would be used for? And then um, my specific follow-up, I'll just get out there now, is you mentioned zinc paneling. Good. Could you elaborate yes. a little further on what zinc paneling I would be happy like to. Yeah. Um, those of you who are familiar with the Central Library building, the gray panels that are metal on the outside of that building, that's zinc. That's what we're proposing for uh, the perimeter or the exterior of our addition. It's a easy to maintain, um, very nice material that will last a long time. And it has a very nice color tone and depth to it that will be a beautiful complement to the stone of this building. So that's why we selected that material. Um, for those of you who weren't here when we were talking about the, the desire to contrast with the existing building, it's important to not try to compete with a building that's as important and historically listed um, as this one is. So this is this is on the historic register at the national, state, and local level. And because of that, we need to be very, very careful about what we do, to the, especially to the exterior of the building. And so our addition will be, it's a modest addition. It's um, modest in scale, but also in, in design. So it's quietly designed, if you will. Um, and the reason for that is to complement and not compete with the existing structure. So we did show here what that addition uh, will look like. As I said, it's just very simple. It does have windows because we will have some uh, usable, occupiable space in the upper level of that addition. Um, here you see it from the Wilson Street side. Um, and in the floor plans, the ground floor is what we refer to as what is currently thought of as the basement. Um, on the ground floor, which is the, if you remember, coming from the Wilson side, it's lower. 
and the Doty Street side, it's higher. There's a quite a grade, actually, from east to west um, on the building. Um, trash pickup will be from the Wilson Street side, and so we have an interior trash enclosure, and we've got lawn yard maintenance um, storage behind that. That's what will be at the ground floor, so it's a pretty utilitarian, actually, addition in that case, but it puts that stuff right where it needs to be to be functional. Um, this is a very tight site. It's a very um, important uh, lot in the city, and we don't want to have those kinds of things sitting in an outbuilding or, you know, we don't even really have space for an outbuilding, but sitting out um, where it would be d detracting from the sight lines and uh, the view of the building. And then on the upper level, we have um, bike storage, covered bike storage for city staff. Um, that's a really important thing for the bike culture of, of Madison. It's also something that we're, we're providing as part of our sustainable goals um, for the project. And then we have a small break area that will have a, a couple of microwaves and place for staff to be able to heat up their lunch and, uh, and a little bit of seating, as you can see, in there. Each staff department also has a very small kitchenette um, where they can – just a few – um, microwaves won't do it for this whole building full of people, so there are multiples of those as well. Yes. You keep saying that that break room is small. Can it you is. give us some dimensions or give us a better idea about what, what we're um, talking about here? What is that, about 20 by... 15 by 20. 15, yeah. 15 by 20. Yeah. The break room. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, as I mentioned, in fact, I think I might be able to point them out. There's, so there's a few places. It's so difficult that I can't point with my pointer, so I'm just going to step away from the mic. I apologize. Again, kind of a modest scale, 15 by 20-ish for each department as well. Um, but the hope is that with this one on the main level, that staff from any building would come in and be able to use that. It wouldn't be just MMB staff that would use that because it will be a very attractive daylit space. I forgot to mention that we will have a skylight. Is that what you were going to say? No, but I'll, I'll go. Okay. Um, we, we will have a skylight that sits above this um, seating area as well. Um, that will bring more daylight into that center of the space because it's a very deep um, footprint, and we want to bring as much daylight in as we can. Um, and that, that was my other question was related to particularly on the ground floor. Yes. How, um, yes. how much daylighting yeah. can be there. Um, as you can imagine, we've had many, many conversations about how to best use that ground floor and want to make sure that those staff spaces are just as attractive as the spaces that are on second and third floors um, where, you know, they're beautiful rooms that have a lot of historic fabric still to them. Um, we have very carefully laid out the plans on the ground floor so that the people who are there most time throughout the day have the perimeter where there actually is a fair amount of daylight. Um, we are expanding the windows um, to their existing, last time I was here, I'm not sure if everybody saw that, we have, uh, we had images, I should have brought them again today, that show where the windows that used to exist, very large warehouse style windows that used to exist, were bricked in. And we're going to be removing that brick and bringing light back into those spaces. So you'll see along this north side here where there's these large window openings that will bring quite a lot more daylight into the ground level than currently exists. And there are actually window wells along the east and south side as well where you get daylight. So the people who are there most of the time throughout the day will be along those perimeter stations. In the center of the space are where building inspectors who are mostly out of the building where those workstations are kept or are housed. And so we've been trying to be very careful about that. And then the new stair that we're introducing that's in the center of the space, we're hoping will borrow a little bit of that daylight. It's not going to be direct because it's not directly over it, but it'll borrow some of that. And more importantly, I think it will provide that visual connection to um, more depth above you or more height above you and the ability to see that there's daylight up there. And so that helps with that perception of how it feels down there. So that, yeah. Okay. Can you just show the renderings of the um, addition again from the outside? Sure. My brain was not processing 
where, where we're looking. Right. Yeah. So actually, let me go back to where we just were. Um, the first image, this one, is as though you're standing from the Doty Street side. So you're looking on the, oh, I'm sorry. Yep, we're on the ground floor. So here, there we go, is looking toward the addition from Doty Street. Okay. And then the other image was looking from Wilson Street. Um, into that break area, if you will. So here it is from Doty Street. Here it is from Wilson Street. And that break area is right behind this glass. Does that help? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and then the big windows. Thank you, Jean. Yes. Yeah, so now you can see that how we've opened up the south side of the facade with the large windows that will bring. This is the ground level. All that, all that new light is coming into the ground level. Yeah. Okay. Other questions? I didn't let Steve talk at all. And he's like the guy on this project, and I apologize, Steve. <laughs> he's doing all the work. <laughs> okay. If you go back to the floor plans, this might help. Uh, maybe just this first floor. <coughs> to, to gain a sense of scale. If you want to get a sense of you know, how big spaces are, uh, this is 200 foot long by 100 foot, essentially. So each of these sort of wide bays, column bays, are around 20 foot. They're very, very slightly. So that gives you a sense. So when I said 15 foot by 10 foot, that, <coughs> that kind of rectangle, sorry, 15 foot by 20 foot, that part of the rectangle of the break area. If you were to consider the break area really being from this back wall, all the way until um, the start of you know, that seclusion zone for the staff, um, you're talking about 75 foot probably, so more than half the depth of the building, 50 foot plus at least <coughs> uh, 25. So, and then fairly you know, generous enough in width to get two banks of tables. Uh, and the skylight depth is uh, around about you know, 35 foot long by 10 foot wide. So, and generally you get twice as much daylight from a skylight as you do from a vertical window. So you're talking about a lot of daylight being washed into what we consider deep space in the building in order to get a, a good wash of daylight and you'd get daylight even spilling down the stair into the lower level, to the ground floor. All right, thank you for your time tonight. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you.